Remember, the cash rate is ridiculously low. Even if you had $10,000 in the bank right now, you're probably getting 0.3% of 1%. I can't even say it, it's that complicated. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show is all about understanding the property market right now, where we're at in the property market cycle, and delving into insights so you potentially can make an informed decision to play on the Monopoly board to play the Australian or New Zealand property market places. I tell you what, I'm pumped for today's show. I love talking about market insights and I spend a lot of my time with some great economists, people like Dr. Andrew Wilson and awesome demographers, people like Mark McCrindle. And I just love understanding where we're at at any particular time in the cycle. I do have a Real belief you can make money no matter the marketplace, but right now it's probably fair to say we are in uncharted waters when it comes to the inflation of real estate. It is growing exponentially. So I'll tell you what, if you've been sitting on the fence, it's time to jump off the fence and get into the market because it is going gangbusters. Let's go through some of the particulars behind the market And today's show is really all about understanding some of these little nuances which are occurring. But I tell you what, before we get started, I want to sell a female species. Yes, I am auctioning my friend Ellie. She is a wonderful human being. She is looking for a fella to uh, fundamentally get to know. So Ellie is absolutely a cutie and I tell you what, she's the type of girl that sends blokes bananas and I guarantee you if you met Ellie, you would probably turn into a bit of a weirdo and buy her flowers the same day you met and scare Ellie off. So today's show is all about the market but it is about finding Ellie a date. So I tell you what, if you're uh, a successful young man and uh, perhaps you do not have a police record, we're interested in you. Yes, if you uh, fundamentally are a good human being and in your 30s or 40s, my friend Ellie would like to meet you. Now, there are some rules around meeting Ellie. She does live in Sydney. So there is no point applying on uh, the Get to Know Ellie uh, uh, card if you live in Tasmania. Ellie doesn't want a long-distance relationship. She wants a local fella. So I tell you what, I thought I'd use this podcast to see if I could find uh, and love match and be Cupid. So today I'm also Cupid. So if anyone is interested in meeting Ellie, uh, please just chat to me and... uh, and I'll introduce you to Ellie. I might do a bit of screening. So if you're an eligible young fella, please send it through. Now, also, I love uh, helping certain causes. And today I'm helping our 
foundation that we are a long-term contributor of. So if you would like to make a donation to Room to Read, which is a, a fundamentally a foundation set up um, to help with global literacy issues and build schools in really downtrodden countries, I'm going to let you date Ellie. So if you feel like you want to make a $300, $400 contribution to Room to Read, you are guaranteed a date with Ellie. So feel free to chat to me. I'll give you some details around uh, how to make that donation and then you'll go straight to the top because you're a good person and you're fundamentally uh, changing the world and we're here to change the world on this show. We're here to make the world a better place and we're using property as that vehicle. So now we've sold Ellie, let's get into the real trends of 2021 other than Ellie needs to meet a fella. Realistically, 2021 is going to be another year of COVID. Without question, I think we are going to see uh, the odd uh, challenge when it comes to the virus sort of resurfacing and having to squash it and put it back in its box. So I do think for property investors, uh, what that is going to do is create a little bit of nuisance when it just comes to the logistics of property. Things like going interstate to buy real estate, things like uh, going to open homes. Uh, grab it while you can uh, because you never know when it's going to be turned off. Also think really if we look at what is occurring which is unprecedented in Australian property, fundamentally all real estate markets are going up in value right now. Uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia and the Reserve Bank of New Zealand has really turned every single property investor into a shopper or every single human who's got a little bit of money wants to work out how to get it out of the bank and put it into the property market. And of course, all of that is led by one big fundamental, absolutely free money, low money, uh, a low cash rate. The cash rate is uh, really the, an, an amazingly low rate. It's, it's ridiculous. It's a uh, tenth of 1%. Tenth of 1%. It's even hard to say it's that ridiculous. So, of course, if money is uh, in the bank, fundamentally earning tenth of 1%, it's going to come out of the bank and it is flooding into the property market for many reasons. Uh, obviously, it is allowing people to shop and upgrade and buy real estate but it is also creating a really sophisticated return on investment compared to what you're getting in the bank. So in the past, what happens when the property market gets too expensive? Our banks really meddle with lending and slow the property market down. They often use APRA to control the growth limits of real estate. And we last saw this APRA growth limit uh, challenge come into the property market around sort of 2017. They put the handbrake on and uh, pulled the property market up. The handbrake is off for the most parts, particularly in Australia, and it is meaning real estate is flying up in value. And the real reason behind that is fundamentally 
investors are still uh, not at the party compared to owner-occupiers. If you look at who is borrowing money, fundamentally, a lot of it is being consumed now by first-home buyers and upgraders looking to find a better home in the property marketplace. This is great because generally the banks don't impose speed limits on homeowners and the reason is homeowners generally, well, they're not speculating. They're fundamentally buying a place to live. Whether the market goes up or down, they're fairly well going to stay put for the next 10 years and uh, really pay a mortgage. Now, when we look at the amount of money being flooded into the Australian economy right now, it is beyond belief. In the GFC, which was a pretty tough period to say the least for Australian property, stimulus packages of around $10.4 billion, which is a huge amount of money, $10.4 billion were created to inflate the economy. And back then, there was like this wealth effect. And if you look at how the economy rebounded after the GFC in 2008, uh, fundamentally, housing was a big part of that. If you look at the first home figures of 2009 and 2010, that $10.4 billion stimulus kick-started the economy. So, large amount of money back then. Today... The amount of money that is coming into the economy through stimulus and quantitative easing, $320 billion. $320 billion. Remember, the GFC was $10.4 billion. We are 32 times more than the GFC right now. The government is spending 32 times more than the GFC to inflate the economy. So all of this money is coming into the economy and it's fundamentally making cash rather worthless in the context of its ability to create a return on investment. And all of that money is now inflating the value of real assets. A real asset is obviously real estate. You can't get more real than uh, real estate. The share market has real assets, real businesses. That's what you buy in the share market. Some businesses potentially are overinflated. But without question, real estate is really the beneficiary of coronavirus 2020. In 2021, it is without question now rising in value. So I'm going to come back next week and help you understand how to buy in a rising marketplace. I usually do most of my buying in a soft marketplace because it is really incredible to get really good opportunities before the market takes off. But since it is taking off, I think we need to discuss some techniques to go and find a great property so you can put something in your portfolio which is going to add value to your life. So it is the great property grab and without question, most capital cities are reaching a new peak and peaks and troughs are measured month to month. And uh, some cities, for example, have had troughs which have lasted 60 or 70 months and other cities have had troughs that have lasted five months. But right now, 
every single property market really around Australia is what we would call a rising marketplace. It is fundamentally reigning capital growth right now at an incredible, incredible rate. So why is this occurring? I think, uh, for one, there is the idea of just so much money being stimulated into the marketplace, which is, of course, creating this wealth effect. But you can look a little bit deeper than that. Supply has fallen off a cliff at the moment. There is fundamentally more demand than there is supply. And what that is without question doing, it is making it very difficult for people to find the right property to buy and, of course, creating almost like a fear of missing out effect. Now, it is fair to say we have an incredible jobless rate right now compared to the rest of the world. In fact, the last quarter figures are are really emerging and we are seeing really what I would call very low unemployment compared to the rest of the world. Now, for people to get a pay rise, we need our unemployment rate at around 4.5%. That is not going to happen anytime soon. And pay rises are very important to the idea of inequality in both Australia and New Zealand. I will come back and do an episode on really the emerging inequality by virtue of the disruption of coronavirus, the fourth industrial economy, and uh, some of the influences of the age of technology. Because I think it's really important that we crack part of that code when it comes to property investing. But for today, it is really amazing to understand that the unemployment rate is fairly low, right? And when we look at it across the board in our major cities, Sydney, for example, is at about 6.7%. Melbourne's at 6.8%, remembering it probably had the most harsh lockdown of them all. Brisbane, circa 7%. uh, And a lot of that is to do with the migration of people moving into Brisbane, um, moving up there to become uh, new citizens. So obviously they don't take a job with them. They have to start out and find a job. So at its highest rate, really Brisbane um, at 7% unemployment by virtue of new migration is really amazing when you think about what is going on in the rest of the world. The rest of the world is fundamentally... Uh, printing money hand over fist and fundamentally falling apart. And I will come back on another episode and talk to you about some of the challenges the rest of the world has compared to uh, certainly Australia. So we now have new peaks of property values. In Sydney, home prices can reach at a medium level around circa 1.2 million. Uh, Apartment prices circa 750,000. In Melbourne, the new uh, house price is reaching around 850000 with apartments around 525000 And Brisbane, a real standout at the moment, is also uh, receiving some incredible capital growth at, uh, with the new house price nudging that $600,000 mark. So that's kind of that medium house price range that people are paying. So fundamentally, what that is telling us is the buyers in the market are prepared to pay more 
And really, they're prepared to pay more because the cost of money is just so much cheaper than it was before, which obviously increases your buying power as a consumer. So if you were borrowing money five years ago, you fundamentally could borrow less on the same wage as compared to today. And that is really by virtue of what it costs to actually borrow money today uh, by um, virtue of this uh, ridiculous interest rate, which is just so amazing. Now, the Reserve Bank has come out and fairly well said they are not raising interest rates for the next three years. 2024 is the next time they fundamentally believe they would have to review the interest rate marketplace. This is going to give people so much confidence, so much confidence, because one of the things I can tell you, property investors always wobble when it comes to the rates. They always try and work out interest rates, whether they're going up or down, and have a real fear about them. When the marketplace, including home buyers, can really comprehend that for the next three years at least, rates aren't going to move, they're absolutely confident. And this is where even a really low fixed rate is just incredibly good value right now at circa like 1.9%. Remember, rents around Australia are much higher than the cost of money. And even in marketplaces where rents are subdued at the moment, like Sydney and Melbourne, when you think about the drop in value of interest rates compared to the drop of value in rents, really uh, pales into insignificance. Interest rates have dropped fundamentally by around 60%, whereas rents in those two biggest cities have dropped from anywhere from 10 to 15%. So in other words, the cost to buy money versus the cost to rent money is still in favour of everyone pro-property without question. Now, really, what I love about the real estate market right now, it's not investors jumping into the marketplace uh, and driving capital growth. It is, without question, home buyers. And I call this a very upgrading marketplace. The entire market is learning how to upgrade and that is coming from various sources which we will discuss. Remember, the cash rate is ridiculously low. Even if you had $10,000 in the bank right now, you're probably getting 0.3% of 1%. I can't even say it. It's that complicated. Like there's 1%, you're getting 0.3 of that 1% in a return on your cash. You can go to Brisbane right now and Brisbane's unit market is fundamentally at a gross level returning around 5.6%. 5.6% not a third of a percent. So you can see why, obviously, just so much demand is flooding into the property marketplace. Sydney's yield around 3.4%. Melbourne just sitting under 4% gross yield. Adelaide just over 4%. And Perth pushing and nudging 5%. With Brisbane, of the major cities with over a million people, seeing around that 5.6% gross yield on apartments. So absolutely cracking return on investment today for people needing to shift their money out of the banking sector. And then when we look at the supply figures around Australia, there is some clear winners when it comes to 
undersupply. And a lot of the markets today are falling into this undersupplied category. And look, I've been talking about this for a long time, that we are just not producing the amount of stock to keep up with uh, the amount of demand in the marketplace. And what we need to understand around demand right now in the marketplace, though there is not migration coming into the marketplace, that migration has been replaced by first home buyers upgrading from being renters. So normally when we look at supply and demand metrics, we might say, well, how many people are coming into Australia to live um, and how much stock is being produced and how many first home buyers are buying their first property. Obviously, first home buyers don't have a home and immigrants don't have a home. So they uh, fundamentally add to the demand pool. Today, there are really no uh, people coming into the country en masse. However, that has been replaced by this energetic first home buyer marketplace, people being uh, really pushed into the market quite often by state and federal government grants, which are just amazing for people to get their first opportunity to buy real estate from. So the biggest marketplace that is undersupplied is Melbourne. Melbourne, uh, quite often, you know, you'll hear a lot of rhetoric around Melbourne, uh, you know, being oversupplied or, or, or something along those lines. Total bollocks. And you have to question where you're getting your, your information from. Melbourne today is Australia's most undersupplied marketplace and complicating it even further, it has the biggest urban population of Australia. 75% of Victorians live in Melbourne. Uh, for example, only 49% of Queenslanders live in Brisbane. So Melbourne is this huge urban uh, metropolis and being completely undersupplied, the most undersupplied market in Australia and growing, really the growth rates in Melbourne should do really, really well. And again, you take an undersupplied marketplace, more demand than there uh, is supply, and government money and government stimulus propping up the entire economy and pushing people into property, you've got a real cocktail of opportunity for capital growth. So Melbourne's undersupplied, Sydney's uh, what we would call probably more of a balanced marketplace. Um, there is, uh, is not undersupplied, it's not oversupplied. Brisbane, undersupplied. And you look at the sales rates in Brisbane and it is, is really extraordinary. Uh, coming out of really a 10-year um, period of, of a lack of growth and a lack of price movement, and right now properties hitting the market, fundamentally selling in two to three showings uh, of open homes. Brisbane, again, not enough stock and a lot of migration coming into Brisbane. So both the rental market and the capital growth market is moving in Brisbane, an undersupplied market. The other undersupplied marketplaces, Perth and Hobart, Adelaide is a balanced market, uh, and Darwin is an oversupplied marketplace. Canberra is currently oversupplied, but it is a very short-term oversupply in the Canberra marketplace. As we know, 
things have fallen off a cliff in that um, area. And really, supply that is being produced in Canberra was produced two years ago, and there is really no future supply. So you would kind of reference Canberra going back into a balanced market rather than pushing out to a very oversupplied marketplace. Hence why most properties in Canberra are also going up. Remember, just about every city, whether it's even oversupplied or undersupplied, is now going up in value. But we would, uh, I would probably allude that some of the most undersupplied markets will probably get the 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 uh, the the best capital growth in in today's economy. So we are seeing an absolute transformation and. What I think is so compelling about the data right now is just how many home buyers are coming out of the millennial economy. Millennials are, uh, you know, fundamentally between 30 and 40. They are looking to own a, the great Australian or New Zealand dream. And government is really helping them achieve this. And really what we can really... Uh, I guess, sum up from the property market is just how amazing the grants are for people to buy real estate. You've got the first homeowner grant, you've got state government grants, you've got stamp duty concessions, you've got the home builder grant still available, reduced to from $25,000 to $15,000. But really what that has gone and done has meant anyone who can build on a block of land and buy it in the threshold of first home buyer world, has rushed out and absorbed the land in the economy. There is fundamentally no land left to build on. And that is something which is just absolutely amazing. And I can see why government did it, because when you look at the big land holdings in society, they generally are publicly listed companies. By giving... First home buyers $25,000 to build. That $25,000 is recycled through the economy in many different places. It's obviously recycled by people um, absorbing a, a piece of real estate. Um, it then is put into public uh, share prices uh, through the big companies like Stocklands and Lend Lease. So the use of that money is fundamentally a great stimulus for big companies, but also small individuals. And the first home buy market is, is, is incredible at the moment. If we look, for example, 22% of all sales happening in Victoria right now are to first home buyers. Again, replacing uh, the idea that a migration population needs to prop up the Australian property market. What I think coronavirus has proven is population is really a, a longer-term metric of real estate and uh, it can easily be solved by stimulating the property market and putting fundamentally new people who don't own homes into the, into the marketplace. And you can do that at a local level through obviously um, stimulating the first-home buyer market. And right now we are at really uh, an all-time high since 2009 of first home buyers flooding the property marketplace. Now, the best thing about that is first home buyers generally shop in the same price ranges as investors. Investors 
typically don't spend a million, two million, three million dollars on real estate. They like to spend three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars on asset building. And first home buyers just happen to shop in that section of the marketplace. So the bottom up market is really doing well around the country. What do I mean by that? Well, sometimes capital growth can be top down. It can start in the prestige market. The prestige market goes from 4 million to 5 million and then it goes to the lower prestige market, then the middle market, and then eventually works its way down. Right now, we're seeing the kind of reverse of that where uh, less expensive assets, if they are owner-occupier homes or owner-occupier apartments, are absolutely surging in value because home buyers are wanting to grab them in their local community, which is fantastic. I think when we speak about migration flow, we are seeing a transformation. I mean, our normal migration rate is 1.5%, which is really, really fast for most Western countries. In fact, uh, let's face it, immigrants do not bring homes to Australia and Australia is such a great place, most immigrants want to move here. But that has stalled and will continue to stall in 2021 with potentially a border opening more likely in 2022. So our population growth rate has plummeted from 1.5% to basically 0.2%, which is more of a homegrown birth rate uh, dynamic. And when we study some of the birth rates, we do notice that, you know, Australians aren't planning on big families these days. So at some point, the flow-on effect of no migration is going to be put into the longer-term statistics. Really, statisticians are banking on around three years of a low migration or birth rate, uh, low population growth rate. So uh, the long-term figures behind that are kind of being revealed right now. So let's talk about the population of Australia. Right now, we are at 257 million people, which is amazing. And Australia was on course by 2051 to reach 42 million people. And in some respects, coronavirus has come along and helped a bit of an argument occurring in Australian society. Uh, it is fair to say that many of our cities were getting very difficult to live in, hard to get around, State governments weren't providing the infrastructure for people to move around easily. We were getting bottlenecked in Sydney, bottlenecked in Melbourne. And the respite that coronavirus has offered planning is really, I think, very crucial to building the Australian economy of tomorrow. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise, really, that we are now having to readjust our medium to long-term population forecast because, again, it just gives places like Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane, where fundamentally most of the population live, a little bit of breathing space to get their uh, planning infrastructure right before the population starts to swell again. 
So prior to coronavirus, we were actually over target. We were going to reach 42 million people. That has now gone back to what I commonly explain to people, a 40 million person target. Remember, we're almost at 26 million people. It's obviously 2021. By 2051, 30 years from now, that 26 million people is going to rise to 40 million people. So another 14 million people over the next 30 years coming into Australia. We were prior to coronavirus on target to reach 30 million people by 2031. And we have now had to readjust those figures down to 29 million people by 2031. So that is really another 3 million odd people that Australia's uh, population will grow by over the next decade. Still a very, very healthy rate. And for property investors, again, this is nothing but a win because many economies around the globe are the polar opposite. People migrate out of their economies, not migrate into it. So once the world works out how to handle uh, worldwide population movement, uh, Australia's economy will kick back into gear and population economics will become a thing again. Remember, 29 million people is another 3 million people by next uh by the start of the next decade. And I always say it this way, that means if you buy real estate today, you're actually ahead of 3 million more people that fundamentally don't have a home right now. Amazing. When we talk about interstate migration, really the clear winner is Southeast Queensland, Brisbane. Um, it is uh, receiving an extra 20,000 people than it would normally receive. Um, people are leaving places like Sydney and moving to Brisbane. But when you look at a big city like Sydney, it's kind of a good thing because Sydney, again, is just a big urban landmass and kind of overpopulated for its infrastructure at this point. So Sydney people don't necessarily feel the pinch of people leaving. Um, if anything, it, it is roughly around 20-odd thousand people who have left. And again, you're not seeing that in the de-urbanisation of Sydney's property marketplace. If anything, uh, if anyone is selling, there is someone there to buy that asset and uh, actually paying more for it. And interesting enough, there has been a, a large conversation around people leaving for the regional communities. And it certainly is the case with around 12,000 people leaving cities across the country or big urban areas to live in rural communities. Just around 12,000 people. Normally every year that sits at circa 5,000 people. So roughly we're talking an extra 7,000 people uh, shifting out to regional communities than is uh, fundamentally normal. So again, there's a lot of rhetoric around, you know, the end of cities and, and people are now going to go and live in uh, Lake Weirdo and Weird Country Town to, to live the rest of their life because it's um, more idyllic or, or cheaper or whatever the conversation is. Well, I think that myth is kind of busted because... Yes, there is a small tree change occurring, but fundamentally, 
we're talking, uh, you know, an extra 7,000-odd people, five to 7,000-odd people compared to normal. So, of course, this has an effect on some smaller real estate marketplaces. If you can imagine, there's a township of 10,000 people with 3,000 homes and 200 people come to that town to want to live there. That's going to have a direct impact on the property values and rental values of those townships. And of course, we call those marketplaces kind of like a sawtooth market. In other words, they shoot up in value, but what can also equally happen is if 300 people then leave that township, they uh, come back down in value. So when we look at cities versus regionals, um, really the conversation should be pointed in a different direction. I will explain which direction things are actually drifting towards because I think it is really uh, an interesting conversation, the trends from the street which are unfolding when it comes to what people fundamentally want. Supply is really difficult right now. There is not a mass production of real estate occurring anywhere and we are now seeing for the most part just supply dissipate around many parts of Australia. Even though the appetite for real estate is so strong right now, if you think about the delivery system of real estate, it is the delivery system which was being affected by APRA's ruling to remove investors from the marketplace in 2017, uh, 2018, 2019, which is now being felt right now. So back then, uh, investors were kind of vetoed from the marketplace of, of you know, borrowing money and leveraging. Uh, investors were put on a debt reduction program. So they weren't shopping in the real estate market because they weren't shopping in the real estate market three, two, and one year ago. There was no stock being produced. Developers quite often have to sell a proportion of their developments to investors to get pre-sales to borrow money from a bank to construct and develop real estate. When you remove that out of the pipeline, you now end up where we are today, a very undersupplied real estate marketplace. Now, it was always meant to be undersupplied, but sentiment was not meant to be this strong and sentiment has become super strong because government is stimulating sentiment. They've said to everyone, We've got your back here. We're going to throw $320 million into the economy and spend like never before. Spend like never before. Never in the history of Australia has Australia spent this amount of money. Remember, Australia is, is, is a 200-year-old-plus uh, economy. And never in the history of Australia has the Australian government done this, spent this amount of money. And again, the inflation of pouring money into the economy, it creates an inflationary effect where money becomes worthless because there's more money. And so that more money tries to escape the chaos by finding assets, real assets. Real estate is obviously bricks and mortar and that is creating such a huge effect You've got more people wanting to shop, less supply and more money uh, pushing people to upgrade into real estate. 
Now, I really do fundamentally call this an upgraders property marketplace. And I explain it this way to people right now. Really, uh, tenants, if they can um, upgrade to being a, a tenant, are leaving much older, inferior, shitty properties and searching out more functional, bigger real estate if they can get their hands on it. And they're doing that because... Obviously, we are seeing one of the biggest transformations on how people live, work and play in the history of the world. And so if you're a renter in a really crummy suburb that has nothing to offer, or you're a renter in a really crummy property which has uh, a very terrible living experience, you're upgrading to a much better property. The same is occurring for people who want to upgrade to own. People are leaving the rental pool and becoming this first home buyer uh, dynamic. It is huge, right? And of course, that tends to have a compression effect on rents and eventually will shine through that again, the rental market in places where uh, people are leaving the rental pool to become home buyers, places like Victoria, for example, now 22% of buyers are first home buyers. It's huge. Uh, that is a massive statistic. Uh, and again, that obviously means they are leaving the rental pool. So when rents drop um, a little bit in Victoria, uh, again, you've got to assess that with the cost of borrowing money. Money has dropped, uh, the cost of borrowing money has dropped like by something like 60%. And so if rents drop sort of 10 or 15%, that's cool because you're going to get the growth, which is what we're looking for. But if we look at the behavioural economic data, what we are seeing is people are upgrading from the rental pool to become home buyers. This is absorbing a lot of real estate. Then we're seeing in the upgrading market, remember how real estate works is there is kind of groupings. You've got first home buyers. You've got then upgraders, people buying their second or third home. You've got downsizers, people selling their larger family home to go live in a smaller home. Then you've got sort of like the investor marketplace. The most buoyant marketplace right now is people upgrading, upgrading from being a renter to a first home buyer or upgrading from a first home buyer to being an upgrader and finding a better place to live. So what is really unfolding again is this upgrade or home buyers, a little bit like the tenants, upgrading from a crummy place to live to a better place to live, from a crummy home to a better home. Or they are upgrading their existing home through renovation right now. You might drive through many streets of Australia, no doubt New Zealand, and see family homes being upgraded left, right, and says, tradies everywhere, everywhere you go, you can't get a park. There's some tradie um, knocking up, uh, some sort of renovation on the house right now, right now, it is absolutely skyrocketing. Why? Because people don't have to sell because the rates are so low, so everyone can fundamentally hold their asset. Debt is kind of now like a bit of an asset because at the very least you can rent your property out and actually pay for debt using rents right now. So it's absolutely amazing. And I think the biggest... Uh, capital growth is without, come, without question going to this lifestyle communities. People 
are upgrading from non-lifestyle suburbs to lifestyle suburbs, from non-lifestyle properties to lifestyle properties. And again, I think uh, this is seen as evidence if you look in lifestyle suburbs, whether they're in a city or close to a city, the days on the market of properties is ridiculously low. There is no stock. I live in a lifestyle suburb of Sydney. Um, it is nothing. Uh, it, it is nothing short of a of an incredible lifestyle marketplace. There is one property for sale. One, one, and guess what? Just literally, uh, people who go to see that property. We are talking 30, 40, 50 people at a time. If you do the maths on that, one property for sale, 30, 40, 50 people at a time, just how many people are going to bid for that property at auction, that creates this dynamic of um, more value being pushed into the asset. So when we look at the rental markets around Australia, there are some rising rental markets despite so many people wanting to buy real estate. It's kind of also links back to a large amount of, uh, of, of undersupply and internalised migration. So you can see almost rising rents in Brisbane, rising rents in Perth, rising rents in Canberra, really does uh, defy logic what is kind of unfolding at the moment place. And of course, we've seen the biggest transformation of work in a century where today people are now having the opportunity to spend more time where they live, because of work from anywhere dynamics. And recent surveys done through uh, McCrindle Research really do expose that uh, today the idea that people are just going to work from home is a bit of a myth. Um, when uh, McCrindle has done, it, done their research, 62% of uh, businesses are going to run this kind of hybrid dynamic of needing to be close to work, uh, but also the flexibility of working from home. Only 14% of businesses are actually going to turn into a complete work from home dynamic and 25% of businesses are actually going to insist that people come to work. So the de-urbanisation of society is not going to unfold. Uh, people are going to maintain their position living closer to cities, whether that's in the city themselves or actually on uh, the uh, peripheral of cities or maybe an hour or two hours drive max from cities um, rather than de-urbanise into these rural marketplaces. Kind of myth is busted on that. You can see even from the population statistics, only uh, around five to 7,000 people shifting out. I mean, that is not a huge amount of people in the context of Australia's 25.7 million people um, or, or close to 26 million people we have in the country at any one time. So new localism is a thing, right? We are now in this kind of dynamic where real estate from a behavioural point of view is uh, really what does the property offer at a local level? And this is where this lifestyle functionality is coming into people's mindset. If you look at the statistics of people wanting to live close to water or wanting to live close to the beach, it is incredible at the moment, absolutely incredible. And um, again, 
the idea that uh, people now are spending a little bit more time where they actually live, people are waking up and going, where I live is a shithole. I need to take some of this low-cost money out of the bank and go and spend more on property and do that in an area which is good because I'm going to be spending more time in that area. We are now at a point in the property marketplace where areas that offer love, which is a weird thing to say, are absolutely skyrocketing in value. You have to love where you live today. And this is something which has never been really important in the real estate economy before because people could live somewhere inferior because they got to get up and go to work uh, some uh, get up and go to work somewhere which was superior. In other words, people would go to the city um, every day and get to the pulse of the city and stay back and enjoy the pubs, pubs and clubs and restaurants and then travel an hour home and they felt like they were connected to a social economy. And of course, now, that for many people is less of a thing. And so people are now searching out suburbs which offer great urbanity, great nature, and great lifestyle, or uh, things like surfing or, or, or water. And it makes a lot of sense as to why. If you're going to spend more of your life living local, then that local has to be very, very good. It cannot just be dormitory and boring uh, and, uh, and less functional, to say the least. Now, there is some people upgrading to more space and going to live uh, a space lifestyle. In, in other words, they're, they're going, you know what, I'll sacrifice... Um, uh, uh, moving to a lifestyle area to uh, fundamentally buy a bigger home. And then equally, there are people going, I need to find a lifestyle area and a bigger home or a bigger apartment and go and live in those areas. And if you look at the rental vacancy rates in, for example, surf towns and many coastal towns, surf towns of city, water towns of city, cities, beach areas of cities um, going ballistic, like there is no stock. And if you look at the properties for sale in beach towns in cities, absolutely no stock, skyrocketing in value. So really what we are now discovering a year later going through this new social experiment the battleground is not cities versus regionals. The battleground is something that I've been teaching and helping my private clients really comprehend and invest in. The battleground is live, work, play suburbs. Can your suburb offer a great living experience? Can someone easily work in that suburb but also connect to commerce? Remember, 63% of businesses are going to expect people to connect to commerce, but also can you play in that suburb? And it's the play part which is really the social economy that people are wanting. People are paying more for suburbs with better access to nature, better access to public space, 
They are paying more to live in a suburb that has better hospitality dynamics, better coffee culture, better arts and uh, creation culture. They are paying more to live in a suburb if it's connected to this idea of the 20-minute neighbourhood where people can live, work and play. They are paying more for suburbs if you've got natural attractions. I mean, look at uh, Byron Bay. It's, it's nothing but a natural attraction. And again, people are paying more for it. They're going, you know what? I can borrow money. I can, uh, I'm going to make the move. And yeah, I, I've got to pay more. But I don't want to live in a situation in life where I'm living in a shithole. I don't want to spend the next 30 years of my life connected to a suburb which has no public space, no hospitality infrastructure, no creative industries, no attraction magnets, no wellness. And again, if you've heard me harp on in the past through my other podcasts, you're probably well familiar with the idea that knowledge and wellness is a real thing right now and people are paying more for it. Uh, And when you look at things like uh, the most common searches around real estate, really they are around space, comfort and or third space. Space internally, comfort, uh, functionality or around the idea of a third space. And if you don't know what a third space is, it's just fundamentally what the suburb has to offer because whether you live in a house or, or an apartment or a villa or a townhouse, uh, you need to go out now and live the new local. And if that new local is really good, people are going to pay for it. So if you look at the biggest Googled words right now when it comes to real estate, and this is um, something um, Mark McCrindle and his team have um, have uh, ha- have highlighted uh, Mark McCrindle's famous demographer. Uh, it is things like beaches and waterfronts. Uh, it is things like parklands and 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 again, this is this is what people are now searching for as they connect with the new version of local. So a huge transformation. People want to know there is that third space. In other words, they want to know that if they're going to rent somewhere or buy somewhere that within a short walking distance, there is a breakout zone, somewhere to connect with nature, somewhere to connect with um, really the attraction magnet of that suburb. Again, when you think about society, there are just so many really bad suburbs where there's fundamentally nothing to do. Uh, If you walk up to the local shops, you're probably going to run into... Uh, you know the odd bloke, even uh, dressed as a as a as a as a gopnik, right? And uh, obviously, a gopnik is the you know a weird gangster from the USSR. Uh, you're going to walk up to the local shops and you go, "Fuck! I'm living in this shithole where there's gopniks. I need to get out of where the ices are and go and live where there's going to be more life." And of course. People are either doing that by migrating to southeast Queensland or they're now going, you know what, let's spend more money. We can borrow more money, sell the house. We're going to get a premium for it. We're going to upgrade, 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 upgrade. The market is an upgrading marketplace. It's upgrading from the bottom and it is pouring um, into a higher price point. When we look at some of the comfort things people are looking for, it's things like pools or outdoor space or studies, or sheds, or a bigger balcony. All these things are 
what people are looking for. And when you break down the behavioral dynamic of that, it is about space. It is actually about comfort, living better, and it is about the amenity of the neighborhood. Hey, I tell you what, credit is never going to get cheaper than it is today. In other words, the ability to borrow money is never going to get cheaper. Real estate is also never going to get any cheaper than what it is today. So I tell you what, if you're a fence sitter, you've got to get over yourself and jump into the marketplace. Look, I love buying in a soft market when you don't have competition. That is not what today's market is. Competition is going to be rife. That does not mean you've missed out. It just means you've got to take some action soon. Uh, I will come back to you on my next episode and help you understand how to buy in a rising marketplace. But I can tell you some research and data out uh, really um, from McCrindle's Nationality Representation Survey of October 2020 is highlighting that 50% of Australians will change their property in the next two years. And I guarantee you that 50% of people are upgrading. They're looking for a better property or a better place. It's as simple as that. If you own real estate, that is a better property or a better place right now or in a better place right now, you're going to do very, very well. Remember, what we are now seeing from a behavioural economic point of view is tenants looking for better properties to rent, tenants looking to become an owner. We are looking at the death of dysfunctional dwellings as people leave them in droves to find more functional uh, dwellings or more functional space. In other words, who wants to live in the 1960s building which is weird and falling down? No one wants that anymore. So be very wary of shopping in a marketplace which offers very little as a suburb or buying a dwelling which is fundamentally archaic and dysfunctional as people now live a new version of local. Lifestyle areas are going to be hot. Dysfunctional properties won't be. And I tell you what, when you add up the billions of dollars coming into the marketplace, $320 billion being spent by the Australian government to prop up the economy, the economy is surging in value. It is doing well. The economy is responding. And of course, people are going to be the beneficiary of all that money coming into the marketplace. The government is spending it on us. They're creating wealth for us. And that wealth is transacting uh, really in two places, the share market and the property market right now. So get amongst it. Remember, I teach the idea invest in a live, work, play economy. Uh, I think it's so important and it's been proven to be absolutely correct. If you can add some mobility, knowledge and wellness to that economy, you're going to end up buying in a suburb which is just bulletproof for what we are going through. And I'll tell you what, as coronavirus seems to uh, continue to um, cause havoc around the globe, I'm, uh, you couldn't live in a better country as Australia right now, we are without question, and New Zealand, uh, such a, a dynamic uh, duo of places to live. Reap the reward. 
The government wants you wealthy. Uh, crack on into the Australian property market. Hey, thanks for your time, everyone, for listening. And I tell you what, if anyone is interested in Ellie, my friend, uh, and you want to make a donation to Room to Read to date Ellie, please uh, private message me. If uh, you don't want to make a donation but you do want to uh, uh, date Ellie, um, that is also possible. But please um, come to me with some good qualifications. Uh, if you are a criminal, uh, a meth head, if you are a gopnik, uh, please do not apply to date Ellie. Uh, I will not be um, approving that application. Let's hope we can raise some money for room to read. Let's hope Ellie um, is uh, again uh, going to um, play the game. She said she would. Uh, so let's see if we can get her a date. I tell you what, she is one of those good catchers left in the marketplace. There, there ain't many as you get older in your 30s and 40s. I tell you what, this one's a cracker. Um, she would make a, a great wife. So um, I think uh, if you're looking for a wife, she's going to be uh, perfect. As I say, uh, young fellas, if you met Ellie, you'd probably fuck it up anyway. So coming through this system that I've developed is probably a better methodology because you would go gaga over her. You'd have one look at her next minute that afternoon. You'd be sending her flowers and she'd think you're a total lunatic. So this methodology, I think, is going to help you crack the code of a, of a top Sheila and uh, hopefully you've cracked the code of some real estate wealth today. Thanks, everyone. Sam Saggers signing off. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favourite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.